Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Beyond the Cover. I am your host, John Robb. Unfortunately, my co-host, Jeff Bears, is unable to join us today, but that is okay. Uh, I want to remind everybody that all of our shows are brought to you by Suspense Magazine, so please make sure you visit suspensemagazine.com for more information. And also, Kensington Books, so please visit kensingtonbooks.com for more information on what they got going on. We have a very exciting show for you today. We are going to be speaking here with New York Times bestselling author Riley Sager. He is going to be talking about his latest book, Home Before Dark, and he's going to have some very cool news to uh, bring to us about this book. Also, if you're not familiar with Riley, uh, this is his fourth book. He uh, got a lot of acclaim back with his first one, Final Girls. Uh, Stephen King had blurbed that one, which was a really cool thing. I mean, you just can't get Stephen King every day. So without any further ado, let's bring Riley on. Riley, thanks so much for coming. How you doing? Hey there. Uh, thanks for having me. I am doing great. It's a sunny awesome. day. You know, it's, it's cool. Yeah. It is. Yeah, we're taping this on Mother's Day. We're doing this in the afternoon. Um, night. You know, we're all still locked down, uh, but that's all right. You know, you do what you got to do, I guess. Yes, yeah, it's, it's day 60 for me, and I'm hanging in there. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, my wife and I were talking the other day, and it's like, well, I really just miss eating out. That's basically the number one thing I kind of miss is just, sitting down at a restaurant and have someone serve me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as, as a, I'm, I am lucky enough to be a full-time writer, so this is not that far different from my regular existence anyway. Nope. So, so I really do feel the, uh, yeah, I miss, like, just going out to the movies and then just going somewhere, going up to the bar, having a drink, having something to eat. Yeah. Because that's, that was my escape from like being at home, and now it's gone. Can't even go to Starbucks and like write a couple hours of your book anymore, right now. <laughs> I see, I can't do that. Like I tried. I can't, I can't. I I can't be like the Starbucks sit there and write yep. kind of person. I just I'm not a coffee distracted. person. So Starbucks for me is just one of those places that I just drive by and see all the cars going. What's up? I just I'm just not a coffee person. Yeah, I'm I'm a very big coffee person, but like yeah. the the writing, I've I've somehow trained myself to only be able to write like in my office. Outside of that. it, I just start people watching. That's true. And dropping, and that's, <laughs> and that's and that's the best part. Especially any kind of any kind of state fair you want to go to, that's the best people watching place in the world is a state fair. So. Disney World too. We go to Disney World every oh. year, and the the people you see there. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, it's it's all it's always fun. Now let's get into uh, Home Before Dark a little bit here. Um, I love the tagline where it's every house has a story. Ours was a ghost story. I'm a huge ghost story fan behind uh, murder mysteries. I'm a huge murder mystery guy. Everybody knows, of course, that Agatha Christie and Sherlock Holmes, those types of books are the ones that I grew up loving, the ones I grew up reading, the whodunit. And then I love the ghost stories. I love bumps in the night. I love hearing the sounds in the night, the creaking. Is that a ghost? Is that the house? What's going on? So give us a little bit about Home Before Dark. This has, well, one, it has many bumps in the night. <laughs> um, so Home Before Dark is actually, it's two books in one. And um, it's about a family in 1995, they moved into a house in Vermont called Bainberry Hall, and they fled in the middle of the night 20 days later. 
saying that it was haunted and they feared for their lives and they couldn't stay there anymore and they'd never go back. So the father wrote a book about it and it became this best-selling horror memoir similar to the Amityville Horror. Mm-hmm. And the daughter, who was five at the time, doesn't remember any of this. And so she thinks it's just all made up. She's like, okay, my dad, this is a big hoax. He made this up. 25 years later, her father passes away, and she inherits this house. And so she returns to Bainberry Hall to fix it up because that's what she does. She's a house flipper, but also try to find out the truth about why they left in the middle of the night. And so it's her return to this house, and it's also the full text of the book her father wrote. And so they alternate chapters. And so you start to see, like, similarities between the story he wrote and what she's experiencing. And is this house really haunted? Was he really telling the truth? And it just is sort of this fun house mirror between this book that exists in this world and what she is experiencing. Now, what was your kind of thought basis? How, how did you kind of come up plot-wise? Was this something you were thinking about for a while? Was there any kind of inspiration behind it? Or, you know, was it the characters? What was it that kind of got you excited about wanting to start writing Home Before Dark? Um, it really started with listening to an, an excellent podcast called Stuff You Should Know. And they just they do, like, just general knowledge things and just different topics. And one of their episodes was about the Amityville Horror and the Lutz family, and how the general consensus seems to be that, yeah, it was all made up, but people still sometimes believe it, and the Lutzes swore to their deaths that it was true. And so I just started thinking about the the Lutz children and how that would be a really cool character to have someone whose parents wrote this haunted house memoir that may or may not be true and they end up going back to the house and that might be a really compelling story to tell and so that was that was the impetus was just no no and and all the previous or the ones that came after the original what was it 1978 i think um amityville horror which i actually saw in the movie theaters at eight years old Yes, I was I was I was dragged there by my sister who wanted to go and of course babysitting and had to go, but as long as you're old enough you can take in somebody and so I was watching Amy Vohor in the movie theater, scared me for a week. I thought I saw green stuff coming out of my walls <laughs> where I lived. But and then when I started doing a lot more research of it, I started realizing I am in that camp where I think the whole thing was fake and, and made up. I think their entire story was made up. But no one has ever like, and that was a great research that you did. No one's ever talked about the kids after the fact later, what they had thought of what they did because they ended up leaving Amityville, New York, or Amity, New York, going all the way to um, Washington. I guess is how it ended up being done, and they moved all the way across the country. But you're right; no one talked about the kids at all. And and I thought that that was just a fascinating character to write about, and how. Yeah. She was just like this innocent bystander in this story that, like, everyone knows. And, you know, she grew up in the shadow of this book. 
And, you know, she, she talks about, like, how when she was, like, in grade school, she was, like, the freaky kid who lived in a haunted house. And then when she was in high school, that fact made her, like, reluctantly popular. And then, and so it just, throughout her entire life, this book has just been with her. And hates that fact and really needs to know the truth about what happened there. Now, you also have some extremely cool news to talk about I, this book, and I'm going to let you say what that is. I, I do. Um, it's Home Before Dark. It's already been optioned um, for film by uh, Sony Pictures and the producers of Stranger Things and The Arrival. And it's really, really cool. (laughs) I hope that this current, you know, now everything in Hollywood is just on hold. So who knows what the future will be with, like, the development of this. But it's it's really cool. And I had some great – I had great conversations with them. There were several producers and production companies interested. Mm -hmm. And – it was really cool to get to you know, talk with them and be like, how do you see this book being translated into film? And who do you see maybe directing it or playing the main character? And it just was, it was really cool to be talking about my book in terms of other than a book. <laughs> like, because I talk about like the book part all the time, but like when discussing like life outside of the book, that's really new and exciting to me. And now, did they kind of mention what was the thing that got them excited about it? How did they get their hands on it, or how did they read it? Well, I'm, I'm very lucky that um, I have a very, very good film and TV agent who has been with me since Final Girl. And okay. every, all, all, all four of those books have been optioned in some form or another. And so, like, She's very good about knowing the right people to send things to. Mm-hmm. And, and so, like, the, the response was, it, it was surprising because I'm, I'm such a pessimistic, self-critical writer. <laughs> I'm, I'm still I surprised. Think a lot of writers people, are, yeah. Whenever someone's like, oh, I really loved your book. I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. Well, at first you're like, wait a second, you read it? <laughs> and yeah. then you're like, oh, and you liked it? <laughs> So to, to get, like, a call from a producer being like, hey, I read your book and I loved it. I was like, oh, that's, yeah, okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> After you get over the shock initially and then you kind of do it. But did they mention any one thing or something that they thought was great? Did they say characters? Did they say the plot? Was there anything that, that got them excited um, about the book? Uh, well, just like the, the vision of sort of separating the, the past and the present. Because, like, okay. The you know all lots of psychological thrillers have unreliable narrators. In Home Before Dark, the unreliable narrator happens to be a book. Right. And so it was it was neat to hear their ideas of sort of how to visualize that, like you know how will the world of the father's book look on screen, and how will the present day reality look on screen, and how will it make them stylistically different and yeah, it's fascinating stuff. Now, all four of your books are, are standalones. Uh, yes. 
they're, they're all four standalones, and so it, they're all separate. You can read them whatever order you want, Final Girls. The last time I lied, you have Lock Every Door and then Home Before Dark, the current one, which comes out late June. And that's still the case, right? They're still printed out at the same time because I know some books are being put back a little bit. Yeah, it's it's still the same time. Um, okay. Actually, I, I was pushed up a week, <laughs> ironically. Oh. It, it was supposed to be July 7th. And then I forget when, sometime in March, maybe they're like, you know what, we're gonna push it up a week. I was like, Great. Okay. But yeah, there, there's never any talk of, of changing the pub date, and I was happy about that because I, you know, we need entertainment. True. We need things to watch and we need things to read and enjoy, and I will happily be a part of that. Now, do you? Do you see yourself in the standalone mode for a while? Have you thought about some kind of a series going on maybe with some characters? How do you envision maybe the future of your writing going forward? I'm going to stick to standalones. I just prefer it. I, so do I. I. I just I like the challenge of creating a new world and a new style and a new plot every single time. And I think with... With, with series, you're sort of beholden to what came before it. Like there are certain characters, like oh, you know, don't you dare break this people, this couple up, or don't you dare touch or kill this one. And you, so it just, I think, like the longer a series goes on, the, I think the less interesting they become to write. I mean. It could be the complete opposite for people who've had long running series and love it. But for me, I just, by the time I'm finished with a book, I am so tired of that book that I never want to see it again. <laughs> right. Because you went through and, it 30, 40, 50 times and you've gone over everything from back to front, sideways, forwards, ups and downs. And you're finally done with it, and you're like, there, final edit's done. Like the cover, boom, let's get it out. Now you've got to talk about it as you're writing book number five, but I understand what you mean. Yeah, and it's, it's no, no insult to the book itself. Like, every no. book, it's just like, by the end, it's like, I don't want to ever read this book again. I mean, I and listen then, to a that, lot that of... That always changes. Like, yeah, I listen later, to a lot I'm of like, musicians. I love books. I love music. Those are the two things I love the most. And a lot of musicians say a lot of the time, once they're done with the album, they don't go back and listen to it again. They've already lived it for a year. It's not like they go and they put it on the turntable to do what it was. I think it was somebody had to, it was Eddie Van Halen who said he had to go back when they were going on tour, I think, and he had to put on an album because he totally forgot how to play some of the songs. He's like, I forgot. I'd put on the album and listen to it. I hadn't listened to it in that long, so I had no idea what I was doing. So he had to kind of go back and remember yeah, I, I, I totally understand that now. Like, back yeah. in the day, I used to think, like, you'd hear about, you know, musicians that would need um, sort of lyric sheets and cheat sheets because they couldn't remember, yeah. like, the lyrics to their old songs. And I'm like, right. that's so stupid. But now right. I get it because I get asked questions. I did a, a virtual library visit a couple weeks back, and someone asked a question about the last time I lied. And I literally couldn't remember <laughs> what like, part in the book. I'm like, is that, I'm like, is that in you're the like, book? That's the second one, right? Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm like, I don't remember this. I'm sorry. I can't answer your question. Right. Now, I will say, 
there's two types of theories. There's the ones that go, 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 and you see no end. But then there's the ones, and I'll kind of, and I just use Harry Potter, seven books, you knew it was going to be seven books, and it was going to end. So those I don't mind. I love trilogies. I love series that know you're going to have a hard end, and, it's, and that's it. So, that, so therefore you know that the author is building up to something, and you hope in that final book that anything can happen which is why I loved the series 24 so much, because really besides Jack Bauer, anybody in that series could die at any time. Something could happen to them at any time, then make a difference. And that's the kind of suspense that I love. I don't, I'm not a big fan of reading series, and I'm just going to say, you know, like Alex Cross, like James Patterson. I haven't read him in years, because you can put Alex Cross in whatever situation you want. I know he's going to make it out, and I feel zero suspense or anxiety when I read those scenes. I just don't. Right. No, it, I, I feel that the, the same way. And I know people love them. Like my, my mother is a sucker for a series. She will read every book in a series, doesn't right. matter how many, be like 50 books. And she'll read them all to the bitter end. And I'm just more like, I, don't know, I, want, I want something new and different. Right. And, 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 that's, and, that's, good. and that's good because want, that's what keeps you excited. That's what keeps you excited yeah. to go back. You're, 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 you love building worlds. It's always, you can tell, like, by the, by the time I'm done with final edit of a book, I'm already, like, just sort of being like, okay, you're, you're dead to me, book. I'm so looking toward the next new thing. Right. Now, you're from Pennsylvania, so you're from that area. You live currently in New Jersey. I have a lot of family that's from Jersey in the Millstone Township, Freehold area. We go back there. used to go back quite a bit. Now we live in California. don't go back quite as much unless it's Thriller Fest. But I'm just curious is why did you decide to take Home Before Dark and set it in Vermont instead of maybe closer to your home where you were maybe a little more familiar with? Um, it, it really was – it was twofold. I had done a, a book event in Manchester, Vermont. Okay. And stayed at this bed and breakfast on top of a hill that had been owned at one time by like RKO Pictures. And it had like this, this really cool backstory. And just while staying there, I just thought I should set a book in a place like this. <laughs> gotcha. And I just didn't know what that book would be. And then when I came up with the idea of like, oh, it's sort of an Amityville type thing. I just immediately went back to like that bed and breakfast on a hill. And I just think it was my first and only visit to Vermont and it was, it was October and it was beautiful and I loved it. And I just thought like, I'm going to set a book here. I just think this might be a really cool setting for a big old house where creepy things happen. <laughs> Now, is this something that you're going to do like later in the future? Because your last book, Lock Every Door, you would set that in Manhattan. So, are you going to kind of move around the United States a little bit? Um, it it depends. I mean, I I do tend to stick to the East Coast because that's what I'm most familiar with, and my next one does take place like in Pennsylvania. So it, it's it's a matter of locations that I find intriguing or that I'm inherently familiar with. Now, I would love to one day, you know, set something 
in some far off exotic locale in order to give me an excuse to live there for a month or two. <laughs> like, yeah, my next book is going to be in Bora Bora. Well, and Pennsylvania is a you know I grew up in Ohio, so I'm very familiar with that area. Uh, what part of Pennsylvania were you? Were, did, did you grow up in? It's the it's in the smallest county in the state. It's like this, there's like one town in the smallest county in the state. It's um, it's northeast ish, you know, Interstate 80. Oh, so like right off in, kind of up that it's, area. It's a little bit um southwest of Scranton. Okay, so you're kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Okay, because I know that driving through Pennsylvania, going to New Jersey a lot from Ohio on the Turnpike. There was a lot of little towns, but the thing about Pennsylvania is what you have is you have the you have the you have the Quakers in there. You have you know the Amish people out by Lancaster. You have big cities in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. You got iron workers. You got a lot of technology in that state. So it's a very eclectic state. There's a lot of things that are going on. So you can you have a lot of different places and a lot of challenges around Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting state, and actually, like surprisingly, so is New Jersey. Like, True. I was not prepared for, like, when People I moved here. People think New Jersey is like, New York, and I'm like, dude, you haven't gone to central and southern Jersey at all, have you? <laughs> no. It, it's, like, I'm, I live right outside of Princeton, and it's just, it's Gorgeous. Beautiful. You wouldn't even yeah. know New York City was around if you live in Princeton. No. It's, it's a fantastic place to live. Great little college town. I've been there a couple times. So great it's, it's beautiful, and they have they have great shopping and just restaurants. And I really miss being able to walk around there. <laughs> and it's too bad my uh, dad graduated from Rutgers, and he used to tell me about Rutgers and Princeton used to be a big rivalry, and Rutgers would go and dye the Princeton River red before like their football game. And it's like, why can't they do that anymore? That just that was probably so cool that they probably used to do that stuff, but they don't do it anymore. It's like now everything is so amped up and blah, blah, blah. It's like can't even have, like, the fun little rivalries anymore. It's too bad. Yeah, and, and just, the, just the Princeton area has so much history, like, dating back to before the Civil, not the Civil War, the Revolutionary War. Revolutionary War. And, and just, it's just steeped in all this history and just crazy things. Like, you know, Einstein lived in Princeton and, <laughs> like, uh-huh. You know, went to this restaurant and went shopped at this store and walked here, and it's just like, it's just, it's crazy. And now, when you kind of look back now at Final Girls and through all these four books, do you kind of pinch yourself to realize that you are now a full-time writer? I mean, that's pretty fast with four books. I mean, you have a lot of people that have twenty books out and they still have a day job and then they're still writing. But now that you can do this kind of full-time, is it kind of a, a pinch your skin kind of thing? Oh yeah, I mean it's it's there are days when I do have to just sort of pause and be like, is is this really my life? Like, is this, is this are these things really happening? And it is it's it's very cool, and I understand like how lucky I am because I I know that like this does not happen <laughs> to many people. And, and what so I, and what I love too is it's. Ghost stories are still timeless, and you read too many thrillers nowadays, I think, that use way too much technology, and I think that they cheat a little bit, and there's a lot of convenience. You can just go to Google, Google it up. So, but with ghost stories, it's not like that. You still have to have the element of the characters. The characters still have to do things on their own. It's a lot more 
intimate, I think, between the character and the reader in those types of books than the thrillers, which I can't connect with at all, of some forensic psychologist. Or, and then you have that backroom computer person that happens to know anything and everything at any time of the day, flipping the button like an NCIS or a CSI. It shows bore the hell out of me. Bore the hell out of me. Yeah, I, I, someone on social media said, like, you're sort of like a genre – you're your own genre, which is like you just walk like that fine line between horror and psychological thriller. And that wasn't intentional by any means. But in hindsight, I'm like, yes, I do. Like, I, because yeah. I don't consider myself a horror writer. Um, and see, and that's I, one of big misconceptions, too, because I love horror. And I think too many people associate gore with horror. And I always tell people that, this is just my opinion, that the movie original Halloween was the best horror movie I've ever witnessed. Because if you watch that movie, and people don't realize, there was zero blood in the entire movie because he had no budget for it. So that movie was literally built off of the music and built off of the suspense of where was he. Because there was no gore anywhere. Yeah, it was, it was, it's, it's an amazing movie. And yeah. it... It is like it's all. It was all tension. Like right. just the whole film was tension. And, and the other thing, which is really cool, and and a lot of a lot of good, a lot of great horror and ghost stories do. You don't have killings just to have killings. And Halloween was a movie that he didn't kill anybody just to kill them. And that is what I find extremely interesting because it shows that he has a conscience and that he has a plan. And when you look at some of those slasher movies that people associate with horror, like a Friday the 13th or something, he just kills anybody in his path. And it's like, well, that's not scary at all to me. Right, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's, and I, you know, with, like, with Final Girls, I think when you, when you call the book Final Girls, you are going to draw a horror yeah. audience. And... Um, I do think it is. It's very much a psychological thriller mm-hmm. with with horror elements, and I, I've just tried to sort of retain that throughout all of my books. It's just, you know, I consider them thrillers, but if you want to classify them as horror, sure. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think, and I think no. that some people get that stigma of, oh, I don't want to be a horror writer, and it's like, no, horror is different than, like I said, than the gory kind of stuff where it's, you know, right. axes and blood and stuff on the wall and blah, 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 trying to shock somebody as much as they can. And so, yeah. And, and with horror, you can say so many potent, interesting things. Yeah. And get away with it and not feel like you're preaching and not, it, and right. you know, like I, I, Get Out is a perfect example. Get Out says like so movie? much. I love to Get Out, yeah. Well, we could go a half hour on why I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I didn't like it too much is because I, in the first 15 minutes, I found it predictable, and I only had one question, which was, and sorry, it's a spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but it's whether it's, it's how far was the daughter into it. That's the only question I had in the whole movie because I kind of was like, oh, this is what's going on. Got it. Now, how much did the daughter know? That was the only question I had. And yeah, so, that, that is one of those where it wasn't a surprise what was yeah, going on. Not at all. You kind of knew from the beginning. 
but I still, I just, I'm like yeah. wondering how is he going to get out of it? True. It was all, it was the escape. It was, to me, it yeah. wasn't really a horror movie. It was how is he, it was exactly that. How is he going to get out of it? What's the escape plan going to be? How is this going to work out? Right. And, and these are, you know, things I try to do in my own books where it's just, yeah. let's, you know, let's take in some, some it's messages the bump here. In the night. It's the sound yeah. you hear, but you can't see. And that's the great part of what you write in ghost stories. That's, what, that's why you're so successful, because a lot of people try to emulate it. They can't. You actually complete it and get it right, and that's why you're where you are in your career. And that's well, I, I, you. I think I'm successful because, thanks to, to Mr. Stephen King, who I, I, I lived up to those words, I think. And so people were like, yeah, he's, he might be the real deal. But yeah, I, I mean, he's I not going to just it. say something about anything. So you had to have impressed him, which you're impressing the master. That's pretty damn good. And it, it opened up a whole wider audience and a whole lot of doors that I wanted to be able to, to, to open on my own. Now, do so, yeah, you do I, a lot of conventions? Do you go out in the public and meet a lot of uh, – I know that you said – I know on your website, of course, that everything was canceled through May and – you're not sure about June or July. I can't imagine. Oh, it's, that that's all canceled too. I haven't updated yet. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't imagine yeah, you were going to have any events. But normally, do you do you like to go out and do you go to conferences and things like that too? I do Thriller Fest every year because it, one, it's just a train ride away, and I, I love. Missed you last year. We were there last year. Must have missed you. I love hanging out with other writers. It's just like it's the best place to go because, like, literally, you walk like. 10 feet down the hallway and you see a friend of yours. Right. And it's just, um, Bouncer Con, I'll, I'll go to more if the location is, is intriguing you. to me. Um, so, like, I think it's New Orleans, like, next year? Yeah, it's Sacramento this year. I don't think they've canceled it yet. I'm sure, I can't imagine it's going to happen. Oh, they did. They did. And, yeah, um, yeah and New Orleans... I'm not going. I'm not a New Orleans fan. I've been there. Uh, we were there about a couple years ago. And unfortunately, that town changed a lot when I was there about five years ago. Shannon and I were there, and we went back. It's just not – I mean, you can't even go to the graveyards anymore. You have to have a tour. You just can't walk in anymore. So I forget the last – I've only been in. there once, and it was – it was pretty crime-ridden. It, yeah, it, it was, yeah. Um, you know, but New, New Orleans, food. I, the food is amazing. And so when I heard like, oh, Bajacan in New Orleans, yeah, I'll go. Maybe I'll just eat and not go to any of the, any of the <laughs> sessions. What hotel are they going to have it at? Like the Montilion or? That I don't know. Okay. But yes, yeah, so I, I was to... bummed when, when Thriller Fest was canceled. I'm like, oh man. Yeah. And then soon after, like publicist was like, yeah, we're, we're canceling all of your events too. And I just went. I understand it. Yeah. I knew it was but, coming. But it it's a way for you to kind of hone your online skills to find fans, too, instead of having to go out. Again, yeah, we're, we're doing a whole bunch of that, and I'll be doing some virtual events with stores. And um, my, my only request when they canceled the tour was I'm like, I just need to make sure that there are signed copies, not book plates, signed copies available in the stores that I was going to go to because it was all independent stores and 
they need the support, support right now. And I, I really just wanted to make it special. Like, you can only get a signed copy at, like, the stores that I was going to visit. So yeah. we were definitely trying to make that happen. That's cool. That's cool. And I take it that RileySagerBooks.com, uh, that's your website. That is the best that place is. for everyone to find out all your information, social media, best place to check on your news and everything, correct? Yes. And I see that you have a newsletter. People can sign up for the newsletter. I have a newsletter. I'm on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, all of those. Um, I'm good with Twitter, great with Instagram. Not so good with Facebook. <laughs> yeah. I, people, I always ask, and I'm like, okay, I know you're on all three, but which one are you really on? Because you, can't, you just can't fall in those rabbit holes. Because once you do, it's just you just can't get out. Yeah, like you, I can't. But with Facebook, honestly, it's just, it's too much work to try to keep up with everything, and I feel bad about it. But so that's why Instagram is. is your, well, I'm going to let you know it. something funny. Uh, Shannon and I went to Dean Koontz's house uh, down in California to interview him. He invited us down, and we were down there to interview him. And in his office, he does not have internet at all. So when he writes, he has no internet because he's afraid that if he had the internet he would just be surfing and it would just lose his concentration. So he had no, he has zero internet in his office. I, I need to do that. <laughs> I, I do need to like, it's, it's just so easy, especially nowadays. To, like most authors I've, I'm friends with, like on social media, will be like, are you writing? No, I'm not writing a thing right now. Because you just yep. can't get into that mindset of writing. So yeah, I, I might need to just kind of, unplug the, the internet somehow and sometimes you just have to write I mean, you just have to just unplug it you got to get out it's it's ugh, it's just too much sometimes <laughs> it is it really wow. is now <laughs> uh, now are you still gonna are you sticking with one book a year are you gonna do anything more you're gonna branch out uh, at all or, or what's your plans for the future um, I'm see. This is the thing. Like, I'm not sure how much I can say because it hasn't been announced yet. But let's just say that Dutton Books is keeping me very busy, and they will for the immediate future. Oh, so you have a book that's 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 coming out. Do you have another one this year or next year? The, next year. It, it, I'm I'm on I'm I'm on the book of year path. Okay. For the the foreseeable future. Yeah. Okay. Good. That'll be good. And you said like another standalone, still in the same kind of uh, psychological vein, ghost kind of vein. I guess um, you want to say stepping stepping away from the the haunted stuff because okay, you know, been there, done that. Might go might go back again, but now I'm sort of you know looking forward to trying something new. Gotcha. Like I'm, I'm trying to because all my books contain somehow like you know flashbacks or dual timelines or something. And so my next one, my challenge for myself was no flashbacks, no dual timelines. Let's see if you can write a straightforward, almost real-time thriller and, and see how that goes. So okay. we'll, we'll see how it goes. Challenging yeah. yourself, and that's, and that's what you've got to do. You've got to challenge yourself too. Every, every book is a challenge, and some are more than others. Like Home Before Dark, I I knew it was going to be a challenge going in. It really wasn't until I was like halfway through it that I realized how huge of a challenge it was. Sure. 
and that I might have bitten off more than I could do, but by that point it was too late to change my mind. So you just have to, to like, fix it. You just have to finish me. it and then go back and say, I got to fix the beginning. I got to fix the middle. I got to fix this scene. I got to fix it. Okay, now I finally got it all together. Yeah, it's like a book within a book. I'm writing two books in one. How hard can that be? It's exactly. really hard, it turns out. Exactly, which is why you like, I'm, which is why when you're done, you're like, I'm done with it. That's it. Get it away from me. <laughs> Move on. I'm, I'm very proud of it now, but when it was finally finished, finished, I just, I'm like, then as I editor, I'm like, I never want to see this book again. Nope. Just show sense. me the finished copy at the house, and then that's good. I'm moving on. Yeah. Well, Riley, I want to thank you so much for coming on. It has been an absolute fabulous conversation. First time we've ever talked, we've got to make this more of a habit. So if you yeah, always definitely. want to come back on the show, email, let us know. We'll just bullshit about anything. I mean, we don't really have to you know, talk about certain things. We can talk about anything. Great, yeah. I'll take you up on that offer. Thank you All very, right. very so much. So again, everybody, the book is called Home Before Dark. It is out June 30th. So when you hear this show, you will be able to buy the book, uh, whatever format you want. Again, RileySagerBooks.com is the website to find out everything you want to know about Riley Sager. And make sure that you, you know, sign up for the newsletter and just stay informed. So, Riley, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Hey, can I say one more thing that I absolutely, absolutely. forgot? Absolutely. Um, the cover of Home Before Dark will grow in the dark. It looks like, <laughs> like it does. It does. Yeah, when I saw that color, that green, I'm like, oh, that's a really cool, interesting color. And then they sent me, the, I'm like, oh, it, it really legit glows in the dark? And I'm like, yes. I'm like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so, you ha- so when it's on, your bed t- it's on your bed stand for people reading at night, you have no choice but to look over and say, damn, i got to finish this book. It's just hard. I think it's going to freak out a lot of readers, yeah. That's <laughs> a good do. thing. Hey. Nothing like nothing like getting them freaked out on the cover before they open it. I mean, that's 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 what you want to do. So yeah, I'm I'm super excited about that. I'm like a little kid when I heard that. I was like, yes, glow in the dark. I can't wait to see the finished copy. I don't have it yet. I just got the arc, so I can't wait to see what the finished copy looks like. Yeah, I don't have one either yet. I'm like, I can't wait. I'm like, you know, yeah, and it's I don't cool know when you get do. the finished copies. And I don't know what they're going to do with mailing. I don't know how they're going to be doing with the mailing and everything with everything going on. I know that a lot of publishers have stopped mailing us books, and everything is kind of ebook at this point to review. So we'll see how that happens. Hopefully, hopefully it's not going to stop the chain. I hope not to. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Riley. You're a good man, and (laughs) thank you so much for coming on. It has been a pleasure. We will talk with you soon. Thanks very much. Talk to you later. All right. Bye bye. Bye.